One of the things that that I do that you I know you notice this is I always look at a larger text than the text that we're reading for the sermon because I think it's really <clears throat> helpful and important to do that kind of work in order to understand what's going on in the text you're looking at. I want to do that today. Um, Matthew chapter 24 is a discussion between Jesus and the disciples about the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, the temple rather, and mixed in there are some things about end time. So it's very much, that subject is very much on the minds of the disciples as they think about what is going to happen to us in the future. What is God doing? What, what's going to happen immediately in our lives? Jesus says something very important in that conversation. He says, about the day and hour, no one knows. Underscore that in your Bible. No one knows. Not the angels, not the Son, only the Father. And then he says, as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, for in those days they were uh, eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. I can't wait to see the movie. No, I'm I'm reading some really interesting reviews about that, and it's it's sort of contemporary uh, as we talk about Noah here. So he says that, and then in verse 45 he says something else, also on the subject. He's still talking about the same thing, and he tells about this uh, this master who goes away, and he leaves the care of his household to two servants. Uh, these would have been high-ranking servants, people that he trusted. And one of the servants handles everything just as you would want him to. He's responsible and wise and the way he uses resources and the way he treats the other people in, on the staff. And one is uh, very irresponsible. He mistreats the other servants, uh, does not use his time or resources well. And they don't know when the, the master of the house is coming back. They don't know. And the master comes back and he finds this one servant in the midst of mis mistreating the staff and misusing the resources. And then Jesus tells this other parable, our story today, about this wedding. And we'll get more into that. But all of this is part of one piece of cloth. And it all has to do with the, the, the end. In the time of Jesus, being a bridesmaid was a great honor, as it is today. And to be unprepared would have been a great affront to the bride and the groom. You just wouldn't do it. It's like a scene out of Bridesmaids, you know, if you, if you do that sort of thing. And that's the context. Uh, weddings in that day were in no way similar to ours. 
You didn't have a church building. You didn't have a pastor. You didn't have all that junk, all those trappings. Uh, you had a meal. You had a party. You, know, you had you had drinking and eating and all those things that you would normally associate with communities of people coming together, but you didn't have ceremony like we do today. Uh, these weddings were held toward the evening, and uh, probably after a day of, of dancing and partying and being together and family and all that that implied, the bridesmaids have been with the bride during the time prior to the wedding. And so they leave the bride and they go out to wait for the groom. And they carry torches, they carry lamps that had oil in them that they burned as they waited for the bride, the groom rather, to come. They didn't know when he was coming. Uh, he may still be back negotiating with the parents of the bride over the bride price. They don't know when he's coming. It's part of the surprise, part of the excitement and joy of the evening. They then, when he does arrive, escort him back to the bride. So the bridesmaids are very, very important. And then that procession goes to the place where the party occurs, where the eating is, where the dancing is, where all of the things that go along with the wedding of these two. These bridesmaids, there were ten of them in this story, five of them were well prepared. They brought their little lamps, had oil in those lamps. Have you ever seen one of these lamps? They're, they're fairly small, pretty shallow, don't carry a lot of oil in them. And then they each had a, a container, some sort of container that contained oil once this oil ran out in the lamp. Well prepared, five of them. Five of them were not prepared. They only brought the oil in their lamp. And when that oil ran out as they waited for the groom, there was darkness all around these bridesmaids. They couldn't join the parade. They couldn't help escort the groom back because they didn't have light. And they missed a critical element of the Jewish wedding in which the bride was brought into the groom's home under the wedding canopy. They missed that. And they insulted the dignity of the host. They insulted the bride. They insulted the groom by their lack of prep preparation. You ever been around somebody like that that was so cavalier, so so loosey-goosey that they acted like they didn't care about anything? And that's these five. The, this parable is, is part of this extensive teaching that begins in 24 about, about preparation. About preparation. And a big part of it is also about not knowing because 
The bridesmaids did not know when the groom was going to show up. People in the days of Noah did not know when the flood was going to come. The two servants entrusted with the property did not know when the master of the house was going to show up. Big part of this teaching. Church is not all in the West, in our in modern times, has not responded well to this message of watchfulness. Uh, in two ways, Hal Lindsey and uh, Tim LaHaye have written book after book after book after book saying, we've got it wired. We know when the Lord's coming. And they make these predictions, and hot off the press, every one of them's false. And it becomes apparent that they didn't know what on earth they were talking about. And I want to go, what is it you guys don't understand about nobody knows? What, why don't you get that? Do you think you have some special link to the mind of God that angels nor the sun even have? What, what's, on with, what's going on with that? But there's another way that the church has not responded well, and that is in the matter of preparation. We just go on about our lives and we do whatever we want to do and we say, you know, sometime later I'll tighten that up. I'll, I'll work on that. But we never do. And Jesus is wanting not to make people fearful and paralyzed, but he does want us to understand that being his disciple and living in the way that he wants us to live, which is a better way, requires preparation. Day to day, just being attendant to the things that we ought to be doing and thinking. So I want to look at these three scenes that I've already outlined for you and, uh, and, and talk about them for a while. Uh, the first one is the days of Noah. This begins in 2437. Uh, Noah built an ark in obedience to God. And God says, I've determined to destroy mankind because of violence and evil. I don't think we understand. I don't think we begin to grasp how awful it had become. But Noah starts building this big monstrosity out in the middle of a prairie. Nobody had ever seen torrential rain. Up to that point, the earth had been watered with dew. And Noah's out talking about these raindrops keep falling on my head and, you know, singing that song and, and, uh, and talking about moisture from heaven and nobody knew what he was talking about. Probably thought he was crazy. And he builds the ark and he builds the ark and he builds the ark. And then finally the day occurs and he goes on board with all of the animals and all of his family and the doors close 
And can you imagine what happened in the world as water started to fall and water started to rise and as, as they watched flooding, flooding water washing down Main Street of their villages? And then the light went on and they all said, oh, I see what Noah was talking about now. Why didn't we listen to him? Jesus says they were marrying and giving in marriage and they were eating and drinking and partying and carrying on and working and doing all the things that they normally did, but without any consideration of what the future implied for them. The thing that stands out about these earth dwellers was their lack of alertness and preparation. You know, I, I think that's really easy given today's distraction for us to do the same thing. I, count, I catch myself doing it. I'm sure you do as well. You think you're going to get up the next morning, that life's going to go on as usual, that if you didn't read your Bible or you didn't pray or you, you didn't attend to the things of the Spirit that you need to be attending to, oh, it's all right, I'll take care of it tomorrow. TV gets in the way, and work gets in the way, and other distractions get in the way. Media these days gets in the way. And before you know it, a month has gone by. Uh, I, I have some, some heart medication that I take every day, and I have these little things, and I just fill them up for a whole month. And I just pull them off. You know, I do a week and then put that one back. It's empty now and take the next week's worth of pills. And I find myself at the end of a month going, where did that month go? Where did it go? What did I do? It's like driving down the highway and you realize that you've gone 100 miles and you don't remember any of the miles in between. And that's the way these people were. Jesus says two were working in the field, one was taken, one was left. Two women were grinding meal together, one was taken, one was left. A homeowner had his home burgled by a thief, and if he had known, he would have stayed awake and been prepared for the thief and caught him. And so we, we all know, we all keenly know the human tendency to procrastination, to distraction, to indifference. A uh, person keeps smoking in spite of a nagging cough and doctor's warnings, or a person continues to eat a high-fat diet in spite of medical news, tightness in his chest, or, or other sorts of things. A couple doesn't have a will to specify the dispersion of their money. Uh, a student says, I'll study for the test tomorrow. We, we do it. You know, we do it in a thousand different ways. And Jesus says, I want you to think about tomorrow. The second scene is the wise and, and what I call stupid servant. Uh, the master of the house leaves his household in charge. This was not uncommon. You had what was called a, uh, an oikonomos. Um, you had house laws and you had a house steward. And the house steward... Uh, based on the, the rules of the house, govern that house for his master, the, the husband in this case, and, and the family. And so this master goes away and he leaves to his house steward, in this case too, the care of his household. 
Jesus wants us to understand that surprise is a big part of this. It's like it's a piece of information that none of us has. When I was, uh, it was right after my, uh, I think my, my freshman year of college, and I was working a summer job for Kroger in Little Rock. And me and a, another guy had been asked by our boss to go out and, pardon me, and take these wooden pallets and put them on this empty trailer. So when the next Kroger truck full of stock came, they would drop that truck off and, and pull away the other one that had the, the empty pallets on it. It's a hot summer day, so we worked and worked and worked, got it all done in record time. And it wasn't really break time, but we wanted a break, so we sat down. And uh, we not a long time, but we sat down. We were out there outside in the heat talking and kind of resting from this work we had done. And guess what? The boss comes around the corner. Talk about two embarrassed people. And he, he got on to us. I mean, there was no repercussions other than that. But it's like, you know, you didn't take a break. This wasn't an official break. You shouldn't be doing this. We're sorry. And we didn't do it anymore. But... We didn't know. We, if we'd known he was coming around the corner, would we have been sitting down talking? No, absolutely not. And that's Jesus' point. Is that you don't know. The wise servant, just it, he was wise. And conversely, he just went about his work. There's no nervous attempt, attempt on his part to look good. There was no embarrassment, no evil to clean up, no bad reports from fellow servants about how he had mistreated them. Why? Because he lived with integrity. He lived in preparation. Jesus wants us to get that. The last saying is about the bridesmaids. Uh, this parable is about our relationship to the future. It's, uh, it's about being prepared for an inevitable future. I think that's part of why we do what we do. It's why we're here. It's because we believe there's an inevitable inevitability, I'll say it in a minute, of, of Jesus coming back. He is coming back. And the question is, am I living in a way that he's going to approve? Am I living according to his values and according to his goals for, for my life and all of our lives? I'd say that the five foolish bridesmaids either don't think about the implications of a pro prolonged delay or they don't feel accountable. Maybe... Maybe they thought, I doubt this, but maybe they thought, oh, we'll just borrow some from our fellow bridesmaids. It'll be okay. They're really responsible people, and they've got it covered, so we'll, we'll just take our little bit of oil. Or maybe these are people that just never thought about the future, who never thought about uh, the implications of a life well lived over time. There was a, 
a book called Obedience in a Long Direction. It was written by the guy, Eugene Peterson, who, who translated the message. You guys have all used the message. And the idea of obedience in a long direction is that you don't give up. You just, over time, you continue to live in a way that has authenticity and integrity to it. That's what these parables are calling us to be and to do. So the end result was that the foolish bridesmaids were distracted and absent. Can you imagine how they felt when they thought they saw a lamp down the road coming their direction? Can you imagine the throat tightening and the, the, pit, the knot in the pit of their stomach? as they realized, as they saw their flickering light going out and they saw the lamp of the groom coming down the road, oh dear me, I'm not ready for this. And at those times you can only rely on yourself. No one else can share their oil or paddle your canoe or otherwise be responsible for your, your life what you ought to be doing. I love this quote. On the subject of uncertainty, Rabbi Eliezer taught his disciples, repent one day before your death. Repent one day before your death. One of his disciples says, well, how will we know when that day is? To which he replied, All the more reasons to repent today, lest you die tomorrow. It's good sense. Sort of means keep the string tight. It means always be thinking about the implications of your life. If I do this today, what are the implications tomorrow? What will God think about me if I do this? That's the message of the three sayings. Time and the second coming of Christ are like the world in the days of Noah, or a servant who lived carelessly while the master was gone, or like bridesmaids who came unprepared to wait for the groom. There is a time coming when I will have no second chance. It's coming. And it could either be my death, or it could either be, or it could be the time when Jesus comes. Either one of those events will have the same effect on my life. I don't think <clears throat> I would. I'd like to add this disclaimer. Um, I don't think that Jesus told this parable to to create legalistic fear in us. I don't think the point of this is to make me go home and tremble. But I think it is there to make me sober, to make me responsible, to make me think about the implications of my life. And my life has implications. Jesus is saying, are you living in a way that has integrity in it? And probably more important than that, If I were to come at this moment, would you be ready for it? Would you be ready for it? I think that's the huge message. Let's pray.
Dear Father, thank you for the time you've given us. Thank you for giving humankind the time that it needs to conform to your image, to make following you the most important thing in our lives. We pray that you will help us to be prepared for the time when you do come to receive us. Help us to use the time we have today to make ourselves ready for your return. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.